The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This episode of Cognitive Dissonance is brought to you by our patrons. You fucking rock. Hey, Cecil and Tom, this is Ryan Summers from uh, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and um, I'd like to let you guys know that Ishmael Brown and the black lady from London are not your only black listeners. I, too, am a black listener, and I am offended and dismayed that you guys think you only have three of us listening to your podcast. Um, keep up the great work. I love you guys' this show. It's uh, probably one of the best atheist podcasts that I follow. Oh, and glory hole. Hey, Tom and Cecil. This is Ellie from North Carolina. I just thought I'd say I found you guys and you've been a real light in the dark for me. I live in Bumfuck, North Carolina, and everyone around here is completely and totally extremely religious. And I appreciate everything that you guys are doing. It gives me hope for humanity. And glory, I'll never forget. The best part of waking up. Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. Recording live from Glory Hole Studios in Chicago, this is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there is no welcome back. This is episode 345 of Cognitive Dissonance, and we are joined by Mike Marshall from the Merseyside Skeptics Society, also from the uh, Lady Gaga blog, Bad Romance. <laughs> I hear really good things uh, about that. We'll talk to him. We'll talk to him in some detail about that. Uh, ooh la la, or however that goes. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, heaven sure forbid exactly. you make half an effort to get one of my projects right <laughs> by name. One of these times you actually use the, the correct title, even just once would be fantastic. <laughs> and of course, from the Be Reasonably Skeptical <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it has merchandise, by the way. <laughs> it does, it does. There are two t-shirts out there in the world. Oh, they're out in the world somewhere. We gave Marsh a, uh, a t-shirt and we gave Andy a t-shirt that said, be reasonably, be reasonably skeptical. skeptical. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a beautiful piece of, uh, that was a beautiful visual gag. It was very funny. We gave it to him at QED. So. Yeah, we gave it to them. They threw it yeah, in the as audience. Soon, as, soon as, garbage. as soon as he gave it to him, Andy looked at it. He's like, huh? And he threw it. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a dick. 
She's amazing. Care deserved. That was, uh, absolutely amazing. I've still got mine. I've still got mine. I cherish it. Uh, <laughs> if I ever do any painting and decorating, it'll be first on to protect anything else that I wear from uh, from spillages or, or other such uh, ruination. All jokes aside, you know, Marsh, you've got you've got a uh, a project, a bad PR project that that you're working on, and unfortunately it's super fucking relevant <laughs> it's terrifyingly relevant right yeah, now tell me in a way it. that makes me uh die inside in all the few ways i'm not already dead inside <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it feels really weird to have been uh plowing this furrow for uh probably about five or six years i think that i've been kind of doing the bad pr stuff uh, on the side as one of the projects that i'm really interested in and see it suddenly shift into focus in terms of uh, relevance because a lot of the time the type of stuff that I do in that area, uh, it tends to expose relatively light, silly, uh, inconsequential stories with the point of being that, uh, as we'll get into, you know, the fact that this story got published isn't just about this story. It's about all the mechanisms which allowed it to get published. And those right. mechanisms exist and are exploited by far more serious uh, stories, far more serious people who are looking to get their uh, agendas pushed. Uh, they're pushing at an open door. And this is, and, and I'm trying to show you the door as much as anything else. But uh, yeah, it suddenly has become very, very clear that uh, this is uh, an issue that goes beyond a few co- uh, few companies and corporations trying to get some cheap uh, time in the newspapers and, and goes to the very heart of what the fuck is going on with your country right now. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's kind of weird, actually, because, like, I mean, uh, you, you do a show where you talk about politics a lot. And I'm guessing some people have said to you, well, you know, President Trump, is, as much as anything else, it must be great for you guys because you must get so much content out of that, which must feel a little bit like saying to someone, yeah, this polio epidemic is terrible, but your iron lung business must be booming. <laughs> right now so you must be absolutely <laughs> delighted you know you guys are thriving we are killing it in iron lungs right oh, now. Yeah. God. Oh, it's the best year for iron lungs you know it's I, the, the thing is like i'm sure the show will do continue to do better and better as the apocalypse draws more and more nigh mm-hmm. but i'm just not sure what all that fame popularity and money is going to buy me uh in the road <laughs> scenario jim baker buckets well, I, it's I, gonna buy you like, a lot of jim baker right buckets. exactly yeah. I don't oh God, know what, what if it turns out Jim Baker was right the entire time and you guys will have egg on your face for taking the piss out of this entire time? And you just it's bang okay, because right. the world will have ended, Marsh. Yeah, no that's one true. will that care anymore. What they will care about is how much, uh, how how quickly they can break down their own children to save them, to eat them later. <laughs> so I want to talk. Before baby jerky. We, <laughs> it's delicious. All you got to do is put it in the dehydrator. I'm going to cure this baby. Oh, is, some, is he sick? No, no I'm going no, to cure no. the baby. I'm going to cure it. I need more salt. I'm just deciding if it's smoke or salt. That's it. Get to, hand me that teriyaki. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I want to talk, before we get into how the fucking dumpster fire that is the American media and their relationship with our current president, hmm. I want to talk a little bit about bad PR. And, and you tell a story about a golden boat. So can you tell us a story about a golden boat and a golden like iPad and things like that? That, that I, I know that I know that this is something that that uh, that you've spoken about before. Yeah, it is. And uh, I guess things being measly covered in gold is, uh, again, frighteningly relevant to, uh, to your country <laughs> right now. Um, we but, are gilding literally everything. Here, so. Yeah. So this was one of the, the first things. Uh, you know, once I started looking into how uh, stories made the news and, and why stories got selected and, and why stories made it through past the, the natural filters that a journalist should have, there, was, there were certain stories that kind of caught my eye. And there was a couple in particular that were all about um, consumer products that were gold plated or made of solid gold. And there was one about. Or encrusted um, in dinosaur bones. Please don't. <laughs> yeah. Please, 
please, please do not gloss over the one that is supposedly encrusted in dinosaur bones. Yeah, this was the iPad 2 just at the start of it being uh, released. It said it was uh, f- uh, five, the five million pound iPad 2. And I think five million pounds is roughly uh, like 40 million dollars right now, I think, in this post-Brexit world. I don't know. Pretty soon we're going to have to give up pounds and actually trade in dinosaur bones. We're going to yeah. be raiding the National History Museum <laughs> because that's the only thing we'll have that's actually worth anything. Um, but yeah, apparently some guy... Uh, we'll trade you our about- constitution for your Rosetta Stone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do want to interject very briefly with, with the idea that like you're taking an animal that is become obsolete and you're encrusting it or using it to encrust a device that will soon become obsolete. <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah. of all the things to encrust in something... Like with dinosaur bones or something that you're going to trade in at fucking GameStop in two years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the iPad three is out. I'm going to cross this with fucking pterodactyl wings or whatever. <laughs> like, how do you upgrade? You know? <laughs> Yeah, well, there was even like a mobile phone from about 2009 that they kind of made out of gold. And basically, so there's loads of these uh, consumer products made out of gold. You know, um, five million pounds for an iPad 2, that's gold and dinosaur bones. There was a yacht uh, that was meant to be the world's most expensive yacht that was three billion pounds made out of solid gold. How does it float? It's gold. Well, exactly, exactly. You know, if it's got three billion pounds worth of gold on it, it shouldn't. It, that should be an obvious question. If this is carrying three billion pounds worth of uh, gold, how does this stay? It's like float? a neutron star. <laughs> yeah, I love too the idea that like people wouldn't. I would swim up to it with a fucking file. And I, I would just file some gold off of that thing every now and again, right? Like, where do you moor a boat covered in solid gold? You know, the only place to put it is in a boathouse made of diamonds <laughs> and, and dinosaur. Boat. Yeah, <laughs> like it just gets exponentially more ridiculous. Uh, but I mean, it's not—it's not that these stories were being reported in fairly fringe places. I mean, these were in national newspapers uh, in in the UK and internationally. It went the Daily li- Mail, right? The Daily Mail was reporting some of this. The stuff? Daily Mail reported it. The Sun reported it. The, the Sun, is Sun a, has a, a page five skull. girl. This is not like- page three. Page three. Come on, <laughs> let's let's not be ridiculous now. You don't want to have to turn the page this is, twice this is to your see your version tits. of a reputable <laughs> newspaper. In a national reputable newspaper, you don't want to have to turn two pages to see tits. <laughs> It's got to just be the, come on, this is be, 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 be reasonable about this. Got, so there were loads of these kind of stories about, and it was all stuff like, you know, these kind of high end products that were being bought up by celebrities. And it was kind of about how the other half live kind of stuff. And, you know, there was even ones where it was a, a BMX bicycle made entirely out of gold. But you guys have hit on the, the 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 problem here very very quickly. Is that non? Surely these products don't actually exist. You know, it should be very qu- obvious to ask the question. Well, does this product exist? But none of the newspapers that were publishing these, and they, you know, it was in Time magazine. Um, none of them would actually question. Do any of these products actually exist? And when you look at the picture of the supposed uh, solid gold yacht in the sun, you can actually find the same yacht, not solid gold, on the website of a, a company that sells yachts. And That's clearly someone's just taken version. it. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, you know, when you go when you go to buy something, it's like you get good, better, best yeah. options. Like, yeah. oh, yeah. do you want the... And they, but they all have a good name, right? Sure. So it's like, do you want the deluxe, the ultra premium, or the super unleaded, or fucking whatever? Yeah, like like a Starbucks coffee. The, the smallest one is called Toll. Fuck off. Yeah. Fuck off. That makes no fucking sense. That's not how words work. In fact, I blame Starbucks for all of this stuff around uh, the erosion of truth in the world. Um, but yeah, but if you see, you see this picture of a yacht, which is an identical picture, but it's not gold. And that's because that was the original picture of that yacht. And it's just been photoshopped and stuck up on uh, and put out in a press release to newspapers all around the world. And someone's going to publish it. Uh, and actually all of these gold products all came from the same person who's a guy actually based in Liverpool called Stuart Hughes, who was a goldsmith, apparently. 
in my uh, in my other job, you know, I've worked in marketing and digital marketing for uh, ten years or so now, and he was actually a client of mine at one point. And uh, he stopped being a client of ours when he started asking us to Photoshop some of this stuff, <laughs> genuinely, like, and, and put together some other stuff. And there was all sorts of other kind of hinky stuff going on there as well. But there was enough in there to make me think, it's weird that this guy is the source of all these stories. And there's no evidence that any of those products exist. You know, the, the bike, the bicycle, the BMX that was made of solid gold, apparently, was literally spray painted gold. But this made national Solid news. gold, spray painted gold. I'm fucking, I feel like you're quibbling. You're a so, little pedantic here. So, okay. So getting these stories in seems to be pretty easy, but what's the purpose behind getting the story in though? Well, for him, he is, uh, he's able to use this uh, press coverage as uh, essentially testimonials. This is how reputable I am. This is how wonderful my work is. It's covered all around the world. I'm an internationally renowned goldsmith. So the stuff that he actually does do, which was essentially cheap gold plating of whatever you give him, um, he can sell that service on. So, oh, yeah, I do these products that end up being bought by Jay-Z and Kanye and Beyonce and people like that. So oh. you want to come to me for your product. He's the goldsmith to the stars. Exactly. That's the, that's the He can make himself he wants the goldsmith to, to the stars without actually being a goldsmith to the stars. Yeah, without doing any of that stuff. <laughs> which is amazing because I hear he gold plated a star. That's one of the... <laughs> But Chris, I mean, he didn't even have to claim that he sold any of these products to anyone because he can just point to the newspaper coverage and say, oh, do you see this story? That's my work, you know, and, and nothing more than that. So that, so very clearly his side of that equation is is pretty obvious. You know, if you, if you were to try and buy a full page advert in Time Magazine and the Daily Mail and the Sun, it's going to cost you a lot. And everybody who looks at it is going to think, well, that's an advert. Of course, they want me to think this because that's an advert. You know, we, we think of uh, editorial and adverts very, very separately. We, we en- uh, encounter them and engage with them in a very different way. Whereas if you can spend a little bit of a money uh, putting together a press release and an interesting looking story, no matter how fake it might actually be, and then get several different newspapers or magazines to run it, then you're maximizing the amount of impact you can have for very little cost. But also, you're not the one making the claim. The reputation of those uh, those, those publication houses are making those claims. You know, the newspapers are making the claims. So if you publish in the Daily Mail, it's the Daily Mail saying this product exists, which your average reader is much more likely to accept than seeing an advert yeah. uh, for a company. So his side of it's clear. But what, what isn't clear is why the journalists wouldn't question these stories. You know, if it's obvious to three dickheads like us are knocking around on a podcast yeah. <laughs> that this thing is nonsense, then someone whose job is to uh, check facts and validate information should be able to spot this really quickly. The problem is that they just don't have the time, the skills, the inclination anymore. And this is kind of a core thing in, in the newsroom. Can, can I can I push on that a little bit? Because I wonder if there isn't something else that's going on too. And I don't know. So, you know, if I'm wrong, just tell me. But it, it, it strikes me that there has to be more than just you know, kind of there's no time or inclination, but there must be some incentive there. You know, I mean, we, we, pe- people work, we're driven by incentives. We're driven away from things by disincentives. There must be some incentive for a journalist to, to run with a story like this is, is, is there, and I'm not saying it's necessarily a nefarious incentive, but I, I wonder, you know, is it, is it the case that they can get more stories done quicker if they're less diligent? Is it the case that they're you know, their workday uh, responsibilities or their pressures have changed in such a way yeah. that they're incentivized to take this information, you know, whereas whereas maybe in, in days of yore, they, they would have to go run this down and and gather the information. Now they're sort of being fed information, right? Journalists, I think, are getting fed information by press releases and other things in ways that, that maybe haven't always been the case or have been less the case. 
And are they being incentivized by systems now? Yes, yes. To, that's, to be less diligent? That is that is exactly it. See, they've, they've always... That's why I asked it. Yeah. I wanted it to be exactly it. It's exactly right. <laughs> so they've always been fed press releases, but typically they would have just ignored a lot of them. And if you talk to a journalist who was working in like the 80s, 90s, it was often a fax machine, a fax would come through, and they'd often just station the fax machine above the bin and just let it all kind of flow straight in the bin. As an aside, I used to work for a place... Um, that was a press press release company. They were a, a, a PR company. Sure. And we used to we used to, I used to Photoshop uh, 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 like ads, sort of ads, but not ads. They they had to look like stories, and then we would you know send them what looked like a news story, mm. and we sent it to we would fax it to like you said it used to come in and fax. We would I would go to the to the fax machine and enter numbers for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm just standing at the fax machine, faxing it to different newspapers all across Holy the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, if you think um, that's what was going on then, um, now if you imagine, uh, even if there were the same number of PR companies, but you don't have to spend an hour and a half uh, to, to send it to everyone, you can just do a mass mail out. Uh, you can very easily see how, as an average journalist, the amount of stuff that you'll send is going to rocket up through email. Um, but why would you accept that? Well, if you think about how the, the, the news actually works, and uh, typically, if you look back um, maybe 30, 40 years ago, something like that, newspapers, certainly in the UK, and I imagine in the US too, tended to be owned by newspaper men, you know, newspaper magnets. They typically were men. Um, and they were captains of industry who'd made their money elsewhere. And now they wanted the power and prestige of having a newspaper. Um, but around about, you know, sort of 80s, 90s, uh, that kind of era, certainly in the UK, that started to change with people like Rupert Murdoch, uh, people like uh, Robert Maxwell, who bought The Mirror, people like Richard Desmond, who bought The Express and The Daily Star and still owns those. Um, those people were businessmen who wanted to make money out of journalism. Sure. So if you're wanting to make money, what you do is you see where there are overheads that you can cut and you start laying off staff. And so what happens is why have somebody who uh, is a specialist courtroom reporter sat in a courtroom every day when you can sack that person and have your general staffer journalist call the courtroom at the end of the day and say, send me over whatever information you have about the interesting cases that came through that day. You're still covering those cases. The specialism of being able to identify the nuance of those cases is completely gone. And you're basically having to accept whatever the courtroom sends you as fact. But you're getting the same amount of content from less people, from fewer from fewer staff, rather. Um, then ramp up the fact that who buys newspapers anymore? Who who puts the money into journalism? Almost nobody. So the 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 and because there are uh, certainly print newspapers, their circulations are way down. The advertising revenues way down. So there's fundamentally much less money involved in journalism, which also has an impact on the number of people who are working there. And if you're now in a position where even if you had to fulfill the same number of stories and articles and, and words per day with fewer staff members, you'd be in a, a bit of a, a clinch. But we also have online. Um, so a journalist will be expected not just to write for the newspaper at the end of the day, but to get a story up online as quickly as possible. And because in a world where uh, the, it, it's important to get the most clicks to a story uh, that, as you can, it, often immediacy will trump accuracy. So it's better to be first and wrong than last and right. Yeah. So yeah. you'll rush to, to print. So the amount of pressure on journalism is much, much higher. And there was a study in uh, 2008 from Cardiff University's uh, journalism uh, department, which looked at the amount of copy that journalists were uh, writing per day and compared it to their contemporaries 20 years previously. And they found that journalists today are writing three times as much copy every single day 
as they would have had to have done 20 years before that. When you, when you increase the workload three to threefold like that on somebody, I mean, how in the hell are they supposed to do a good job? It's, it's, you've got a quantity over quality issue that is, I mean, I, I don't know. What's the solution to that? Like, is there one? I mean, this is such a cycle. Everything that you're describing, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I'm interrupting anyway. Everything that you're <laughs> describing is, you know, it feeds itself, right? The system, the system feeds itself. It seems terribly cyclical. Yeah. And then another, another major part, we talked to, to Cara Santa Maria on our show about a Stanford study about fake news. Mm. And one of the things that she was talking about, uh, and this was also brought up on Thomas's show when he had the people who actually the did this study, the yeah. researchers who did the study. What show them, was that? Was that a atheistically it, it, inspired? It was, it was, it was, it was, was be it? reasonably atheist. I, yes. think. Was, was yeah. 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 I don't know. Was it yeah. seriously talking? I think that's what they're, <laughs> but, uh, but one of the things that the researcher said was, People that are young have a much harder time telling the difference between an ad and a regular story, especially when it's written in in such a way that it seems like it's actually written like a story. So a PR story like, like you're describing, younger people have a harder time recognizing that that's not a real thing or that it's trying to sell them something. Sure. It, it gets way worse than that though. Cause I remember I, oh, heard, I heard that, uh, that particular show and there was a point that I wanted to, to bring up, but I'll, I'll sort of, I want to lay a bit more of the landscape before I get to that. Um, so you Does saying, it get worse? Is it a hellscape? Can we just, it gets it? Worse. Can I just, okay. If anything about myself. the last year and a half has taught you anything is that everything always gets worse. Always that's the new mantra. Worse. That is you the, have the no new, idea what the, the last year and a half has taught me. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. So, so uh, you're saying that um, the amount of money and the, the fact that there are fewer bodies is a cycle, which is going to perpetuate. There's another factor that plays on here um, because where are all the people who were going to go in journalism? Where are those guys now? Podcasting. Blogging. <laughs> yeah, you wish, you wish. Not many of us are making money out of uh, this. Yeah. There's very, very few of us making money out of this. No, you go into PR because you've got all the skills because you've been, you might have gone yeah. through a journalism degree yeah. or you might have gone through an English degree like I did, a communication degree, something like that. You might even have done a few years as a journalist which makes you a much more saleable asset to PR because you know how to write like a journalist. And so if what you're trying to do is to reach out to journalists in a way that makes it as easy as possible for them to accept the content that you're sending them, them. that's exactly what what you do. It's exactly what you do. And it's why the days of mass mailing through fax and then mass mailing through email are gone. Good PR people will not send the same email to a hundred different uh, publications expecting to publish it. Instead, what you do is you know what story you're trying to write, what the sort of the angles on that story are. You look at, say, the Daily Mail, because you want to get it in the Daily Mail. You find a journalist at the Daily Mail who's written a similar story on a similar kind of topic. You look at that story and then you write your story to be almost identical in terms of tone and style. A good PR will even understand the in-house copy editing style of the publication they're targeting. So you're written, you've written a story that looks like a Daily Mail story and you're sending it to a Daily Mail journalist. Now You're it, writing their paper for them. You you're absolutely writing, are. We're writing their term paper. Yeah. That's exactly it. In fact, it got to a point where there was a story in the mirror uh, about uh, 18 months ago, something like that, about this uh, lady who had a very aggressive form of breast cancer, I think. And she said she wasn't having chemotherapy. She was treating it entirely with juices and cleansers and all this kind of stuff. And it was so all she's very, dying. Exactly. Yeah, it was all praising her for, for this. <laughs> and I spoke to the health editor of the mirror and said, how can you, you know, when you publish a story like this, you are putting your readers at risk of thinking this is a good idea and following suit. And his reason for publishing this, his, his kind of justification was, we didn't write this. The person in the byline doesn't work for us. They work for a news agency who delivered that copy to us. So we didn't do it. It's not our fault. It's under your masthead. It's yours. The people who read this, it, when they buy the mirror, they're not thinking, oh, here's an article from Cater's news agency. 
that happens to be published in the mirror, this is a story in the mirror. You can't absolve yourself of the responsibility. That is outrageous. It is. So, so, there's, there's, so this will kind of expand out the story a little bit more, is that they think, well, you know, this is, uh, we're, we're there to fulfill copy. So if you think that a journalist's job is three times as much content as it would have been 20 years ago, I think there are maybe two different ways that you approach that problem. You know, there's a couple, but I can see two distinct ways. One is that you do a shittier job on all of the stories you're going to write for that day. So let's say you're that's writing five do. or six stories. Of course it would, Tom. That's what you do to every single episode of this show. I listen. Oh! Uh, but let's say you're writing six stories for the day. You can, you can spend an hour-ish on all six mm. of your stories, and you're not going to do anything good in an hour. To file 500 <laughs> words, 500 words of copy. That's fair. You know, spend oh, 500 words, to write 500 words of copy on a story in an hour, you can't do any background checking. You can't do any fact checking. You can't call up anyone and see if it's even true. And bear in mind, when I've done stuff that got published uh, front page of the BBC when we did the 1023 overdose, that was front page of the BBC without anybody from the BBC calling me to check if it actually happened Shut or the not. fuck up, really? Oh, yeah. So I spent a fortnight trying to get the BBC interested in that story, and they were not interested. They said, yeah, maybe we'll be involved. And I offered them every kind of level of access. They could be one of the overdoses, not interested. Um, I gave one interview to the Press Association that morning. And it ran in every national newspaper and was front page, front story, top story of the BBC for the day. And nobody checked. The only person who checked was a, a minor Scottish newspaper who called me up at about 4pm. No one ever checked because I spoke to the Press Association, a news agency. And they think, well, if it's in the Press Association, it has to be true. The Press Association are a good name. They must do all their fact checking. Of course, the Press Association, being a news agency, were also under scrutiny, also under kind of pressure. Uh, people might not know what a news agency is, but effectively it's, uh, it's uh, if you are the BBC or if you are the Daily Mail and you need, you want to get a story from you know, a far-flung corner of the world like Zimbabwe or something like that, rather or than the, the Daily Mail or London, yeah. Rather yeah, than the some, Daily Mail have somebody, yeah, garbage yeah, some hellhole, one of those places, some yeah, awful, yeah. terrible place to live. Rather than the Daily Mail having someone risking their lives walking the streets of Chicago uh, every, <laughs> every day. <laughs> They don't do that. Uh, the Press Association yeah. will have someone there. The Press Association will have someone yeah. in Zimbabwe. Right. We kill people from the Press Association every week. Yeah. Here. <laughs> but yes. I'll tell you what, if you looked like you were from Zimbabwe, you'd have a better time of it in certain parts of Chicago. <laughs> but, but this is really important, right? Because if you trust the Press Association uh, fully, then what you do is they will report to you what happened. And if you want to be a journalist, you then use that as a starting point for your story and add a lot of detail. Because the job of a news agency is to report accurately rather than to aim for truth. And that sounds like a very technical distinction, but the yeah, implications are really important, right? So let me give you an example. It's one I always use. Robert Mugabe tomorrow gives a speech about why he is the single greatest president any African nation has ever seen, and he's done nothing but good for his people. If you're reporting that accurately, you say, well, he, did a, he gave a speech at this place, this many people came, it started at this time, and here are the words that he said. If you're going to report it truthfully, you add in, here's why he's lying. Here's why that's bullshit. Here's the historical context. Here's everything he's ever done that shows the words he's saying are not true. So that's the distinction between accuracy and truth. If your remit is to report accurately, you stop before saying six months ago he was involved in this and a year ago he did this to his people and this is the, the, what life is like in Zimbabwe because that's not about his speech. That's the wider context of that, that his speech is in, and that's not your job necessarily as a, as a news agency. But if you're a responsible 
uh, newspaper or responsible uh, publica- uh, publication, you take that initial piece. So you, as uh, you know, BBC, the Daily Mail, the Telegraph, all those people will sign up to the news feed, uh, to the to the internal feed of the press association. They'll pay a large sum of money every year to get access to all the press association's starting points on stories. And they'll take those and they'll rework it. And you have to rework it to make it journalism because then you aren't just accepting what's true. When it came to the 1023 overdose, they all just published exactly what the Press Association wrote, never added anything to it. None of them added anything to it. Uh, And this happens all the time. In fact, at one point, the BBC had an internal memo that said, if you see something from the Press Association, you can can print it verbatim because we'll assume they've done the copy checking because they're the Press Association. They've got a good reputation. And they are one of the best news agencies out there. But it's important that you still do that extra checking. And that's just not happening because journalists don't have the time to do that. And they trust the news agencies. Problem is, the news agencies make their money from journalism. You know, they sell to the journalists. If there's less money in advertising and less money in kind of uh, income yeah. from uh, yeah. subscription, yeah. there's less money that the, the uh, newspapers can pay, which means there's less money they can pay the news agency, which means the news agency lays off staff and accepts PR every now and again because they're under exactly the same commercial pressures. And now we have a mechanism where not only is the journalist, you know, maybe a journalist would turn down a press release from a PR company, but if that press release was published in a news agency that they trust, they wouldn't turn it down. They'd assume it's fine. And in fact, there was an amazing study from Bournemouth University's journalism department that interviewed people involved in uh, you know, press, uh, involved in PR companies. And one of those people who ran a PR company said, well, we were finding that some of our stories were getting uh, filtered out by journalists. So we bought a news agency. And what we do is a lot of the news that we push through the news agency is normal news agency, news agency stuff. But every now and again, we'll throw one of our press releases in and hey-ho, there it is by uh, exactly the same journalist who was ignoring us before. Now they're accepting our press releases and they don't know it's us. So that gets quite dark. Um, <laughs> yeah. I got to say, on. though, one interesting uh, point that you made earlier, which is sort of a glimmer of hope, as you were saying, the more subscriptions, the more money that comes into these places, the better job they can do. <clears throat> and we've noticed that since uh, since Trump has declared war on the media here in our country and has called literally everything except for the stuff that completely gives him glowing reviews, fake news, there has been a influx of money to these right. organizations mm, and a, mm. on a large scale. The New York Times is doing better than it has in many, many, failing, many years. Failing New York Times. No, failing. I, think that, I think that is an absolute key is that financing the journalism you care about is, is one of the solutions to this. Um, I, I think there are, there, it's only one of them. It is only one of them. Because I think, like I say, if you go back to your, your job as a Daily Mail journalist, and you, like I said, there's two ways of doing your six stories for the day. One is to pump out six shitty stories you spent an hour on because you're taking a press release from the uh, press association and various, or you're taking a report from the press association, things like that. The other way of doing it is to spend half an hour each or, or less on three or, three or four of those stories and just accept whatever's in your inbox from anybody. And then you've got the rest of the day to do two really, really good quality stories. And you do a hell of a bang up job on those. You're absolutely brilliant at them. This is responsible, perfectly sourced, wonderful journalism. Two thirds of your output that day were shit. Two thirds of your output was was probably not true, and was uh, and you facilitated the entire uh, degradation of the news cycle. But you come away thinking those two stories I wrote were fantastic. I, w- I want to revisit. <clears throat> I want to I want to take us back a little bit. And I want to revisit this idea of accuracy versus truth in reporting. Mm. You know what what struck me immediately was the the difference is here's a set of facts versus here's a set of facts and an analysis, right? Um, yes. when you add the analysis piece on, that's what you're saying is, is truth now, right? That's the difference between 
you know, the, the, the Mugabe gave a speech and it happened and here are the words and Mugabe gave a speech and it happened and here are the words. And as you said, here's why it's bullshit. But, but I wonder too, um, are we, are we in a place where we need to be able to identify and understand the difference between analysis and editorializing? Because I, I, I it strikes me that, that editorializing is always that sort of deeply slanted spin world that we also, you know, may not be fake, but is also troublesome and problematic. Right. Mm. Um, and that, and that that is different than real um, analysis from a point of integrity. And so I wonder, is, is the problem a little, a little more nuanced there as well? I think if you look at something like, well, Breitbart is analysis, but it's, it's, it's obviously deeply slanted and utterly flawed analysis. Um, but I think there is a difference between, uh, I guess, maybe, some, maybe analysis isn't the right word, because uh, obviously your editorialising is the, the, the kind of thing that the, you know, the Sun, the Mail over here in this country, the, the Express, which will run a front page saying that the pound has soared after Theresa May's latest uh, speech. And it, you know, this, that's a good example of kind of editorialising, and that was a front page, pound soars as Theresa May talks of hard Brexit. And then you look at what that soaring of the pound was, and it's effectively the cliff that we fell off in June after the Brexit result. We've gone back up a tenth or a quarter or a, or a, a 1% of that cliff. But in the relative terms, looking over the space of sure. a day, it looks like that's a saw. But I think then the, the difference between editorialising and um, and what what real journalism is, is putting it in clear context, clear and, and sourced context. Um, but I, I take your point that, yeah, being able to distinguish between good and good for in, in a moral uh, sense and uh, an evil analysis is important. And I'm not really sure what the, the key is there. Yeah. So, so now the problem is, is just that much worse. You know, it's like, how do you tell real news from fake news? How do you tell, you know, uh, good analysis from this deeply slanted analysis as a consumer of news? Um, I found myself yesterday, I just want to tell a quick story um, and then, and then have you jump off on it. I, I, mm. I found myself yesterday I, I looked at my um, my phone and there was a tweet out by the Associated Press. Um, so it's the Associated Press, right? Yeah, and yeah. I saw the same tweet. I think I know what you can and say. And it said, you know, Trump is mobilizing, mobilizing 100,000 yeah. National Guard yeah. troops to go round up, uh, you know, uh, illegal immigrants. And I saw it and I was like, what the fucking what? Uh, and I reacted pretty much like that in the mm-hmm. grocery store, uh, which is totally appropriate, by the way. And then, you know, it turns <laughs> out that that was bullshit. It's just bullshit. Um, and, and I, and as a consumer, uh, in what sense was that bullshit? Well, it's not happening. It's not, it's a, it's well, what, and what was, the, what was the source that the AP quoted? I don't know. Cause it was a tweet. That was the problem too, is that it was just a tweet. All I saw was a tweet while I was at the grocery store. Right. And I don't have, I don't gotcha, have time to yeah, read the yeah. article, but as a consumer, I get, <laughs> I, I get myself in the grocery store. Right. But I saw sure. it. And then it's like, you know, first of all, we're headline driven as consumers. We look at something from the AP and it's like, okay, now I can't trust the AP. You know, Trump said something the other day, you know, he says, look at what's happening. Uh, he says, we got to keep our country safe. Look what's happening in Germany. Look what's happening last night in Sweden, Sweden, who would believe this? And I wonder if he's having the same, and I don't want to give credit where it shouldn't be due, but I wonder if he's having the same trouble that I'm having as a consumer of news information. You get a headline, you're moving through your day, you read a headline, you react to the headline. And you don't have time necessarily to go back and vet everything. The level of vetting, the depth of vetting that's required is getting more and more challenging to do. And the tweet, I want to read the tweet aloud here. Mm. Breaking, Trump administration considers mobilizing as many as 100,000 National Guard troops to round up unauthorized immigrants. And then uh, and then 
uh, it, a whole bunch of news organizations are saying they basically dropped the ball that it's not, but, I, but the way that's, that's worded considers mobilizing yeah. Yeah. You know, doesn't it, that, that doesn't mean that it's happening. Right. No. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, but it's, it's there to get, it's there to spark. Right? Sure. And then, and when I read that, I'm like, holy shit. If, if, if I hear that Trump is considering mobilizing something, the man is not full of deep consideration. Like he probably said he's doing something, right? Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily always mean... Yeah, I think this is the, the, the key point, really. Because obviously, because the AP's job basically is to uh, report what's being said, um, really. I mean, it's a little bit more than that, but it's it's to... to they're reporters rather than journalists, rather than analysts. And I think that's a, that's a way to... You, you always have to view the AP that way. Is if Trump tomorrow said we're gonna bomb Jupiter, the AP would report <laughs> Trump administration considers bombing Jupiter. But I think, but but I think that's kind of key is that uh, understanding the difference between the, the Associated Press is not journalism. It, it isn't. It's reporting on what's happening, um, and that might be a, a thing that's actually happening or a thing that someone says they're thinking of go, uh, of doing at some point. That's kind of what their job is to do. Um, now, whether they should have reported that, probably not, because without being able to source it to any, uh, without being able to link it to anything tangible, anything reality, then it's it's for a, a president you have at the moment, which is an unprecedented uh, uh, challenge to understand what he actually thinks he wants to do at any given point and what he's serious about and what he's not. I can understand why the AP would jump on that. You know, what's, what's crazy, again, is as a consumer, these are fine distinctions. Mm. And and they're fine distinct they're fine enough distinctions that we have to even have this conversation about, you know, what's the difference between reporting and journalism? Um, you know, that I I'll be honest, that's not a consideration I'd ever thought about before. It's it's absolutely key though. It really is. And I wonder if part of this as well is is the uh immediacy of everything is that go back fifteen years or whatever, uh, if the Associated Press are putting that out on their wire. Um, that makes it to news head, head uh, you know, news headquarters, basically, where the journalists and editors might sit around thinking, is this something we should report on? And by the end of the day, they might think, actually, no, this didn't come to anything. We're not going to report on that. It doesn't make it in the newspapers. We never know. You know, we never see that because that filter has happened. And partly because that filter has, has been given the time to happen. And partly because that filter at the time maybe had a bit better resource to be able to do it. These days, those two um, those two checks have been taken away because we're getting access to what the journalists are getting access to, and that can often be very good. And sometimes, obviously, clearly, it can be very, very bad because the, uh, a journalist uh, doing their job properly filters out crap. And one of the, the most important jobs of any editor, and it's something I talk about with uh, with newspaper editors and, and other similar people, their most important job is keeping stuff out of newspapers, not what goes in. Their job is is spiking the crap, and uh, they do a, a good job of it by and large under quite tricky circumstances. I think, and what we see is the the the, the part of the crap that makes it through that uh, that makes it through that process. So that timing issue uh, is 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 causing us a, a massive amount of problem when it comes to analysing what's actually real in the news. And even the, the time that you were saying there, Tom, is that I read it, I, I saw it in the grocery store. Um, I only saw the headline. I didn't have uh, time to read anymore, and I reacted to it. We need to get better at not doing that right across the board. That's going to be a key, key problem. And it's only going to uh, carry on causing issues for us until we figure out a way of not reacting to the headline and actually understanding what's in it. Because I think if you'd have been able to click through 
and see that this is the AP saying Donald Trump in a, a statement yesterday or sources from the White House are saying that they're thinking about maybe doing this. I don't think you'd be uh, reacting in a, oh my God, this is a terrible thing that's actually happening. You'd think, Christ, these people are mental. I hope they never do that. <laughs> and that's a different way to think about it. There's a yeah. very different way to think about <laughs> it. It is. Something is happening. Oh my gosh, our government's incompetent. You know, I, yeah. I, I, get, I get the point. And I think, you know, we run into this all the time because- a lot of the stuff that we cover is from right wing watch or mm. raw story, because what we do is we take the clip and then we play the clip and then we comment on the clip. And well, we're not really reading the story that goes along with it, but most of these have such clickbaity titles yeah. that they don't actually say what they said in the, in the, in the piece or they say it and it's so taken out of context that it doesn't really fit the narrative that they're trying to paint through the headline. The headline is a very different narrative than the actual clip. The clip can still be very egregious and still have some things in it that are horrible. And that when you listen to it, you're like, I can't believe someone said that, but it's bad enough. There's no reason to escalate it by making something up. Well, there is a reason to escalate it to, to, by making something up. And that's to make you read it on their site and not on someone else's sites because they have their yeah. Google ads on the side to get ad revenue. And, and kind of, I think, there's a straight line between basically, you can go back to search engine optimization and people who would try and game that system. And once Google stopped you being able to game that system, I think there's a straight line into clickbait, into fake news. Yeah, right. Um, it's kind of like uh, fake news is weaponized clickbait, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the, and that relies entirely on the fact that we will pass along stories without properly reading them and or we'll pass uh, stuff around and uh, based on which headlines caught our attention. And I think we all need to get better at not sharing the thing with a sensationalist headline if the headline doesn't reflect the reality. You know, don't share anything unless you've actually read it. And I've been guilty of it. Uh, you know, I, I try not to be, but I'm just yeah. as guilty of it often. But yeah, read the thing. Um, and if the thing doesn't match the headline, find a place where the, the thing does match the headline and share that one. So we can try and take some of the, the weight out of clickbait, take some of the power out of it. Because you know, it, it is, uh, I'd love to see uh, research on the psychology of clickbait because it's, whether it's uh, it, it has uh, flourished intentionally or whether it's been a sort of a natural competitive evolution, we've gotten to a point where the people who are very good at clickbait are very, very fucking good at clickbait at getting you to, to do yeah. the only thing they care about, which is to click on their site. Yep. Um, and I'd love to see what exactly an analysis of exactly what psychology it's exploiting. Because I think it's very, it's very smart. It's always titties. It is. It is. That, always, is, that is true. It's titties. Yeah, I think the weaponized clickbait is, is what's driving uh, fake news. And I think it's very, very clear that for one reason or another, that has been uh, particularly weaponized with one side of the political spectrum. Now, that might be because... Uh, it's easier to court outrage with that side of the political spectrum. And I think it may well be. I mean, it's very, it's, it's the hugest irony to me is that the uh, extreme right wing accuse the left of taking, of being offence takers, of being snowflakes who'll take offence at everything. And it's the right wing who are offended by everything. Two guys Every walking down thing. the street holding yep. hands offends the yep. right wing. Right. But yep. they, they will paint the Protesters. left as protesters offend the shit out of them. They can't yeah, stop exactly. talking about protests. You're like, well, don't they, aren't they allowed? No, they're just crybabies. Right. Damn it. I don't want them doing it. You're like, oh, well, calm the fuck down, dude. No, yeah. You're crying about this. Literally right? nothing to do with you. Right. Yeah. yeah. Women in the workplace yeah. offend yeah. them. You yeah, know? Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, but so I think partly it's that, um, 
it has been easier to outrage one side of the political spectrum than the other. And that means that's a very easy, fertile ground for clickbait. Um, and I think there's probably another large element uh, that the people who want to exploit the far right uh, or, or far right sentiment or the kinds of uh, fears and sentiments and things that the far right uh, prey on, uh, those people are much less ethical about what they're choosing to do. Um, I think it's very, very hard for someone who is kind of a progressive uh, left kind of leaning, let's all just get along, let's make things uh, equal for people. It's very hard to square that off with, okay, then we'll use this incredibly exploit, overtly and intentionally exploitative technique in order to do that. I don't think that's impossible. I think you can get there, but I suspect the, the barriers to getting there are far, far lower. And we certainly saw that in the UK during the Brexit uh, debate, where we had Nigel Farage, who is not an elected MP, has never been an elected MP, stood in front of a big poster, which is very clearly echoing Nazi propaganda uh, of a line of Syrian refugees. Uh, and that was their leave, get out kind of, uh, that was their, their poster to say, let's get behind the get out campaign. Um, so there was a line of refugees and it just said, who would miss them or something? <laughs> I, I, forget, I forget exactly what the uh, what the headline was, but it was kind of say, uh, effectively saying, these are all these are people all coming over. But it, it these could are garbage not have... people. We hate all of them. Please kill them on the street. They just photoshopped the word terrorist on all their shirts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But the thing is, it could not have been more clearly uh, echoing Nazi propaganda. It was literally a still, like, you could put, yeah. put it side by side with a still from Nazi propaganda <laughs> and it looked exactly the same. Now, I suspect the people who put that poster together didn't think, you know what, you know who was really good at this? Adolf Hitler, uh, Joseph Goebbels. I don't think that's what they would have uh, said, but I think they would have completely known right. what they were doing in terms of the message they were sending with right. that image, but they were very happy to do that in order to get their um to get their win so marsh uh, <laughs> i just i just have this like this feeling like this feeling of of doom yeah um no there's another one yeah also gloom yeah. I, it's a doom and a gloom yeah. if it helps we haven't even scratched the surface honestly there is a lot more no, in that, here that, to, how uh, would that, how would that help marsh <laughs> how would that help we haven't even scratched the surface if people wanted to scratch the surface and find your blog what would they do uh, they go to badpr.co.uk and you can find me on several other places where I'm having uh, this kind of conversation too. In fact, you can find me on uh, Talk Nerdy with Cara Santamaria a couple of episodes ago where I uh, went into a different aspect of this thing too. So if you're enjoying this and you want to... No one is enjoying No one is enjoying is not the right word. If the intellectual uh, masochist side of you uh, wants a bit more of this, then uh, that conversation with Cara went in a very yeah. different direction, but still kind of explored this kind of stuff. I think it is a... a, a depressing area but it's it's becoming frighteningly more real than uh, than i ever thought it would be when i started looking into these silly stories uh some some years ago so you're still doing skeptics with an incredulous and uh be reasonably skeptical <laughs> those are two things that you're still doing very much am be reasonable's back i kind of uh, hadn't done much be reasonable uh, for the majority of last year it was it was unreasonable but i've got a couple of episodes out i, I interviewed a guy who believed that not only is the world flat um but also it exists within a dome like a snow globe <laughs> essentially he he directly references the truman show as his uh his his uh his, his belief Honestly, this guy was amazing, right? Is it a full spherical dome or is it is it like a half dome, like a like a dinner plate dome? Yeah, yeah, like a dinner plate dome. Yeah, yeah. And and (laughs) on the outside, so you've got the stars painted on 
did the top of it. So the stars are painted on. The sun and moon exist because we can see them moving around, but we know they're not far away because it's inside. I can't wait. It it had my favorite point of of, one of my favorite points of these conversations that I've ever had, really. Because he said at the beginning that uh, he was a conspiracy. He was really into lots of different conspiracy theories, and then the more he looked into it, this was the one that that he that he uh, started following even more. And so towards the end of the interview, I said, "Well, you said you're into all these conspiracy theories before." Have you subsequently found one conspiracy theory that you used to believe in that you no longer believe in? And he said, well, you know, the thing is, once you know the world's flat, this brings it all together. Because like, I was thinking, why did they kill JFK? Well, obviously, it's because he knew we didn't land on the moon. And so he's putting oh all these God. conspiracy theories together. So he said, but the one that I don't believe in, and I really want to have a, a, a debate with this guy to show, you, to show him how wrong he is, is Richard Hoagland's theory of the, the face on Mars, the Mars. civilizations on Mars. I don't believe that's true anymore. And I said, yeah, but that's because you don't believe in Mars. You don't believe Mars exists. <laughs> yeah, you didn't really walk that one back. Uh, that doesn't count. <laughs> when are you going to have David Icon? Oh, oh, God, I've been David trying. Icon. I have been trying for years. I really want to keep trying. I really want Andrew Wakefield on. I really want him on. And uh, I'm, I'm going to keep trying on that. And uh, yeah, I... If anybody has any uh, requests for areas they want me to cover or people they think would be good, then uh, I'm all ears. I'm always looking out for uh, for new, interesting, odd, unusual beliefs to uh, explore. So, yeah, people can get in touch on the show there. And, um, yeah, I'd be all ears, really. Marsh, thanks for coming on and depressing us today. We really do appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Always a See, pleasure, so I'm going to give you my gun at the end of this episode <laughs> so I don't use good. it on myself. Sounds good. Thank you. Keep up the great work, Marsh. Cheers, guys. You too. Ready to stick it in the glory hole? Get links to their Facebook, Twitter, and if you still use it, Google Plus account at their website, dissonancepod.com. If you need to be all discreet about it, contact them by email at dissonance.podcast at gmail.com. Or you can call and leave a ransom message at 740-74-DOUBT. That's 740-743-6828. Want to hear Cognitive Dissonance commercial free and gain access to exclusive content, including full patron-only shows? Head to patreon.com forward slash dissonance pod and become a patron to support the show on a per episode basis. Love commercials? Not ready to become a patron? Give the guys a five-star review on iTunes or Stitcher. Or tell your buddies in the drunk tank about the show. We want to send a big sloppy glory hole to all the patrons and people who rate us. You fucking rock. This story comes from deadstate.org. .org, I guess it's a... It's like a uh, charitable organization, right? It's .org. That's what that's for. Not always. You can just be a .org. You can just buy a .org. Instead of a .com? Sure. We should be a .org. I feel like it's fancy. No. No? It's not a fancy. I feel like it's fancy. Can we be a .biz? We could be a .glory. Can we change our website to gloryhole.biz? Because this business happened at the glory hole, buddy. I guarantee there's already a glory hole. (laughs) I kind of want to look it up and see what it says. And I also kind of don't want to crash my iPad. It's funny because Megan will, uh, Megan, when she posts our show, will put hashtag glory hole. I'm just thinking that is the fucking absolute worst thing to hashtag because hashtags are there. So you could click on them and see see all the hashtag glory hole has got to be the worst some poor, you know, what I actually feel bad for is some poor guys out there searching for a good glory hole and he stumbles upon oh, this show I instead. Know. Hashtag glory hole. And he's like, fuck these guys. These guys can't even get me half a rest. <laughs> First of all, they're like, look, they're like, <laughs> he's fully erect. It still looks half, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we don't judge at the glory hole. Oh yeah, we do. We just, we're quiet about yeah, it. We we're just, just quiet. We it's just polite. We use sign language and you can't see because yeah. you're on the other side of the wall. We'll, so. just, we'll just be bitchy to our friends about it later. <laughs> just, like, just hold your fingers about a couple inches apart. And be like, <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, creationist Ken Ham claims dinosaurs and humans fought in gladiator battles. And I fucking love this. So yeah. when we were down at the, at the sure. Ark encounter, um, uh, what was that? What, I mean, how would you describe the Ark encounter Cecil? A something that was put together by someone who one time won a science fair project for making a volcano out of coal. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, I, I like to think of it as like um, an indoor taxidermy zoo. Yeah. Of animals right. that didn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like an imaginary no, there, indoor no, taxidermy there, there zoo. There are some animals that existed That's for sure. True. That's Absolutely. True. But, but there's the a weird few. poo monster or whatever. Yeah, the, 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 the turtle tur without a shell. shell? Yeah. yeah. It that hadn't is, evolved its shell yet or favorite. whatever. That is my favorite. I love the turtle alive shell. I would eat the fuck out of that oh, thing. God. You know, the only problem is he doesn't carry a bowl with him. Yeah. So, like, you got to bring your own bowl <laughs> for the soup. It's fucking <laughs> weird. I love animals that carry their own utensils or serving wear sure. with them. You yeah, know, like, yeah, like a lobster. The, yeah, there's nothing better than eating a crab that you've killed and then you scoop out its guts. And serve it to somebody in its own body. I fucking think that's just a I think, riot. I think it's funny when they take like a chicken and put it in the crab. And you're like, right. oh, why would you? Why that's like this? a fucking super insult to the crab, crab right? right? It's like when I am eventually killed and eaten from my carcass, sure. I don't want to be stuffed in no something one's else. Eat that. Not one sitting. I'll tell you what, not in one sitting. You don't know where I've been, Lou. <laughs> you don't know where I've been. I know where I've been. Oh. Nobody's going to eat that. Yeah. So anyway, we, we're, I remember no we're five seconds. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, they're going to stuff me in a yeah. series of five gallon buckets. That's going to be, that's the little last set of buckets. It's just, they're just labeled Tom. After, after they take your ambergris. Uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and Ishmael sits on your back. <laughs> But we were there, you know, one of the, one of the highlights of the Ark encounter. And, and there were so many, <laughs> so many, I there can't so remember many. them all. But one of the, one of the highlights was standing in a very long line. Oh yeah. With yeah. All these, just, uh, there was a, now it wasn't just a regular long line because it actually, it was one of those like great America lines. Yeah. It was like, a waiver. Yeah. It yeah. like went around a corner oh, yeah. and like up and down two of those, whatever the fuck those things are, those little racetrack things to get you moving in the right direction. Yeah, everything was a ramp though. Cause it was yeah. in Kentucky. Yeah. Right. So like nobody could climb a stair. Yeah. Like if somebody had dropped a pencil on the ground, there would have been like three heart attacks trying to get over Like <laughs> My scooter don't got stuck. Like, <laughs> if, you, if you take one out though, he's just going to roll down and take out all, all the rest on the way up. It's like bowling with Hicks. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the nice thing about waiting in a Kentucky line is the line takes up a lot of physical space, but it's still only four people yeah. deep, you know? <laughs> so like the first guy, you're like, you're like, like fuck, oh. I'm like a half a mile behind. And then one guy goes and you're like a quarter mile now. And you're like, <laughs> like that's a big one. It's like being behind four double decker trucks. <laughs> right? Yeah. But at, at this thing, there yeah. was a goofy, one of those goofy lines that made you yeah. go up. And a backseat's four yeah, seats, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And so we're, we got in that line. I remember like, like oh man, it's going to be good. Gotta now it's not going to be like do a something. cage with Absolutely. a speaker that tweets like a bird, for example, because that's a thing. <laughs> no one stayed by that. Yeah. Nobody, yeah. nobody hung out there. That yeah. was pretty self-explanatory, but you go into like the, the, like the hallway of dioramas Yeah. and it's, it, it's maybe like, I don't know. I don't want to exaggerate or under, but it's maybe like. 20 feet long. It's yeah. real short. You know, it's like short and disappointing. It's like say sex of, with me. When you say right? hallway of dioramas, what you mean is one diorama yeah, and the rest are paintings. That I, you're, yeah. yeah, you're totally right. Yeah. So, but everybody was enthralled with the diorama. So they had a diorama um, of how like evil everybody was. Like it was like before the, the before, the, the before, before the flood, flood yeah. right? Pre-flood. 
So evidently they've added a new diorama and this is big news because if one diorama caused a traffic jam like that, I mean, people's scooters, like the batteries were running out. It was fucking tragic. Um, They've added a new diorama with people fighting dinosaurs (laughs) in a Coliseum. Can I just say before the flood, I'm not going to talk to you real quick. God, if you want me to believe, make this a true thing right now. And I'll believe (laughs) God, I'm talking to you right now. Make it a true thing that happens right now where I can turn a channel on, like fucking make it on ESPN, the Ocho, where I turn it on and there's a fucking dinosaur versus a giant versus a human. I'm with you. I'll fucking eat those wafers and drink that wine. I'm with you, bro. In this diorama, there's giants, right? Then there's regular size folks. Then there's the folks that are looking at the gladiatorial spectacle, right? Sure. But all the people appear to just be food animals for the dinosaur. <laughs> Makes me want to go back down to the ark. You me, know? me too. Me too. I, you know, I feel everything's like, like this WWE battle royal shit going on. I, I'm. I'll tell you what. I kind of want to come off the top ropes on here. If they add three dioramas <laughs> to their, oh. oh, we got eighteen million dollars oh. in tax breaks, guys. Can we get some more posable GI Joe it guys fighting dinosaurs? It won't just be. It won't just be a, a backup there. It'll be like a whole fucking backup all the way down there oh on the one garbage road to get to the fucking dirt road. You have to get all to of like Lawrence Burger wherever it'll be. <laughs> Now, here's what I want you to understand here. He says, look, when you sacrifice a child to an idol, you are sacrificing that child to demons. That's the word that's used right here in the scripture. I looked it up in the Hebrew lexicon. You know what that word demon means? It means demon. This story comes from DW.com. Court sentences main suspect in deadly Frankfurt exorcism to jail time. And evidently they just... Put a fucking box on his head or something? No, it's, a, it's like an iPad What is going it's on? Like a, it's like a book. Look at it. It's a book. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, All right. It's like a book with a like a cover. Maybe it's the Bible. I Maybe he's double checking. Hmm. Maybe there's, there's Guys, no answers in here. It says on page seven, this is legal. <laughs> <laughs> so I want, I mean, this, this story is at this point, it's, it's so repetitive that it almost doesn't even go without. I mean, I actually skip these stories a lot of times when I'm looking around because at some point we've said everything we've got to sure, say about this. Yeah, yeah. But if you scroll down a little bit, um, I want to talk a little bit about the, um, the, the the defense here, or rather what they what they were saying in court. One of the excuses, you know, they, they said they could have asked for a more, um, and the prosecutor actually said this. They said they could have asked for a harsher sentence, but this guy thought he was doing the right thing in service of his religion. And so they asked for a lesser sentence. And I thought, that's why I want to talk about this. I thought, what fucking difference does it make why you suffocated somebody to death? Right? Is there ever, like, there's never been like a self-defense case, right? Where it's like, and then I fucking suffocated him to death. Exactly. Right? right? A burglar broke into my house. And so I held him down and I suffocated him to death. That's not a thing. That's not a thing. Who cares that he thought he was doing the right thing religiously? Yeah. Like, why is that an ameliorating circumstance at all? Like, well, he didn't, you know, he, when he, when he tied that person down and beat the shit out of him and then suffocated, can you imagine how scary it would be to suffocate to death? Fucking so scary. That's a miserable law. Lo- it wouldn't be like short. It wouldn't no, be like, you'd no. be like, fuck the whole time. Yeah. You know what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And it's just a sheer awe. But like, would that be a comfort to my family? Like if somebody in my family was like, well, they thought they were doing the right thing. Cause you know, they read it in an old book one time. 
So now, you know, Uncle Frank's dead, but they, I mean, they have an old book, so <laughs> don't throw the book at them. You know what I mean, guys? You know what I mean? Are you fucking kidding me? You know, it's funny. Like, fucking, wouldn't somebody think that you could see that this is going to get you out of jail time? Yeah. You know, if, if, if I accidentally killed somebody, I'd be like, oh, I was just trying to exercise him. Got the demons out of him. Got, oh, got, got the life out of him. I yeah. mean, demons out of him. Pull that. Tell you what, the demon's not there anymore. Demons have to have the life, though. They have to have it there in order to keep going. In order to and keep. so this is a very effective way to exercise people, actually. 100%, 100% of, the time, of the time. the time, the demon's gone. Yeah. I mean, it's gone every time they held this woman down. They beat her. They put a, they put a cloth and a clothes hanger in her mouth to keep her quiet. And that's how she suffocated. Right. That's the method that, that, I mean, a clothes hanger. Yeah. I'm trying to picture how that works. I'm trying to like, did she have oral sex? They were trying to do an oral abortion. Is that what they were trying to do? (laughs) Like what is, what is a clothes hanger? How do you even stuff a clothes hanger on somebody's face? I have a feeling there was clothes in it. That's why it would maybe. I mean, seriously, like, what are they like plunging her? (laughs) Like stuff in the fucking, she keeps screaming. I don't push the cloth down deeper. It's fucking three quarters of the way down her esophagus. It's like you're cleaning a gun barrel. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Chunk, chunk, chunk. It's stuck on something. It says here, the defendants attempted to perform an exorcism on the victim in a Frankfurt hotel room on December 5th, 2015, because they believed the woman had been quote, possessed by demons after she allegedly began began talking to herself and lashing out for no apparent reason. Holy shit, my dad was possessed by demons. <laughs> I had no idea. Until I read this, I didn't have any oh, idea. God. No more training do you require. Already know you. That which you need. Then I am a Jedi. <laughs> I got. I picked this story. No shit, just for you. Oh yeah. Because I don't understand this at all. This is from Right Wing Watch. This is Josh Bernstein. Obama is a Saul Alinsky Jedi Knight trainer organizing the protests against President Trump. I have no idea what this means. Saul Alinsky was wasn't he an author, right? But, but why is he a Jedi Knight trainer? Well, we'll find out. Let's, I mean, it's a short clip. Um, so let's let's play it. This is from Right Wing Watch. This is Josh Borstein. Finally, we have someone that's plain spoken. He's talking about Trump. Yeah. Plain spoken. Because he can't form complex sentences. That's like a, that's like when you go to parent-teacher conferences <laughs> and, they, and they try to be real nice about your stupid kid. Right. <laughs> oh, he's gentle. He's very gentle and he's emotional. Right. And he's a good friend. He's um to this stuffed animal. He seems to be a good listener. He has no other friends. <laughs> it's like, Take him out of school now, actually. Actually, if you could suffocate him with a coat. <laughs> <laughs> We're not sure how, but we know it could be done. We have evidence from Frankfurt. Get off early. <laughs> Who's going to shake things up, that's going to fight back against the liberal bias, call them out as what they are, which is fake news. And I think it's amazing because, again, the, the left coast and, and the New York area, those two areas of the country, they don't get it. They're so disconnected from the reality of what is really taking place in America. Where people live. The two areas of the country where people live and have an education. Yeah, yeah. Like, those areas of the country, 
with the culture and the thought learnings and most of the GDP. Yeah. Like really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's literally, it's most of the GDP. Yeah. You just named the left coast. Haha. <laughs> so clever. Whoa. And then the New York area. Yeah. That's, that's most of the education, culture and money. Oh, you wacky guys. Yeah. And they're the most disconnected from America. Right. Like yeah. that's a, they're less American, they're, right? Well, they're most, well, yeah, they're the most disconnected from the fucking tumbleweeds in fucking Nebraska or whatever, but nobody cares about that. Right. We talked about this when, <sighs> when they, when they show that stupid fucking image of all the counties that went red this last right. time when Trent was like, Woo! And he won all those votes. And they're like, this is two Americas. Look at two Americas. Look at how tiny the blue is. And you're like, yeah, that's because the blue has people stacked on top of it. And the red has a cow and a fucking human 150 miles away from him. Like, it's like, it's so ridiculous when you try to compare, you're like, you're looking at geography, man. You're not looking at fucking population. When you look at the population centers, yeah, a ton of land voted for Trump. So fucking what? It's land. It's not people. And the thought process of Americans, how they feel about the country, the direction of the country, they're starting to feel better about themselves. And one of the things President Trump does that Ronald Reagan did and not too many others were able to do is he makes you feel good about yourself and your country once again. Well, they're starting to feel better about themselves. What he's Wait, saying is white people aren't scared anymore. No, no. Like who gives a fuck if people are starting to feel better about themselves? What the fuck is this snowflake shit? <laughs> right. Feel better about yourself. Aww. Fuck you. You <laughs> fucking asshole. You're not allowed to feel better about yourself. That they, what, they, what they want is they want to turn America into their safe space. Yeah. Right? Exactly. That's it. America's our safe space. We had it first. This was our safe space. Where we've had eight years of this diabolical leader in Barack Obama. Diabolical. Wait a minute. Of all the things you could describe Barack Obama as, good, bad, and sideways. Sure, yeah. Fucking diabolical. Wait, what, what is his, what was his, di- he's done. Like at this point, they're done. They have no more conspiracy. Well, they don't because we'll talk about more. more, But they they should have no more conspiracy theories around Barack Obama left. Right. Everything he was going to accomplish as president. That ship has sailed. Yeah. It's over at this point. He's and what's the most diabolical thing he did? Like 20 million people have health insurance. Like women. Like what? Women what? got to use the bathroom of their choice and men got to use the bathroom of their choice, right? I mean, what I'm I'm trying to think of what is the diabolical piece? Hey, he didn't take your guns, guys. Yeah. He didn't take them. Yeah. You still have your fucking guns. It's all you were worried about. The black guy didn't take your guns. He didn't fuck your wife. He didn't take your guns. You're fine. Yeah. They're still paranoid that the big scary black man in office is going to do the fucking evil evil like fucking mustache twitching, twitching fucking, uh, you know, volcano layer shit. There's nothing left. He has no more time. Who has done nothing but divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. Fucking explain a six year fucking congressional cock block. Explain that. Where the conquer piece comes. Well, yeah, well, d- fucking you could talk about divide all day, though. Yeah, when you, talk, no, you know, yeah, you but he's like, saying that, that that Obama divided, right? Uh, because and I know I know their argument is that Obama racially divided America, right? That I know that they would argue that they would say that because he was black. I don't know if you noticed that he really was. What they would say is that those riots, the whole black lives matter thing, the 
none of it would have happened without Obama in office. What they would say is that all of it's not how we responded to it. Oh, it wouldn't have even okay. happened. Yeah. Because the uppity black folks. He enabled the uppities. Right. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, the, the black folks done got some power now. Got it. In order to grow his political base. And we're starting to see that now where he's never going to go away. We've got the shadow government that's going on in Washington. He's moved to Washington. He's, moved, he's moved to Washington. Well, he was so already what? in Washington. So what? But you don't move well, to where you were. Well, I mean, yeah, right. Well, he's, well, he's, moved, he's moved out of the White House. Yeah, moved to whatever, like, it's in the same city. Yeah. Well, okay. Was he required to leave the city? <laughs> What? Oh, you're not president anymore. Get the fuck out. It was a gunfight at the OK Corral and he had to leave town. No more black guys in D.C. after 2016. Like, that's it. Like, oh, sun setting, boy. You best be a running. Are you kidding me? Shadow government. These guys can't figure out what story they want. Right. Shadow just means black. (laughs) All right. You got me. You got me. He's sending out, you know, 25 to 30,000 protesters at a time. He's training them. He's training, training them? them. Yeah, no. You ever see those those old uh, Kung Fu movies where the one guy stands in front of everybody with a spear right? and all those they all have, like, like, protester signs? They're all doing the they're motions. Like Soros signs. Yeah. <laughs> like they've all got their fucking they got the- like super nice, high quality <laughs> Hobby Lobby Soros signs or fucking whatever. Oh, it wouldn't be Hobby Lobby. And he's teaching chants. You're right. <laughs> Obama's standing in front no, of No hate. Him. No fear. Immigrants are welcome here. <laughs> What training do you need to gather with other people and stand <laughs> training? What was it? Oh, I don't know what to do. Should I sit? No, it's just, it's They're a, doing like tons of cardio, bro. <laughs> so they can walk. Should I wear shoes? Did you even t- <laughs> right. Should I wear they pants? Did you even attend the training, yeah. Joe? Did you even go? They could stand for up to hours. <laughs> I mean, he is literally the Saul Alinsky Jedi Knight trainer. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't know. I don't know. What it means I don't. I don't know what that means at all. I don't. Know I do what that know means. this. If you strike him down, he become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. I know got, that. I know that. They've got their protester yeah. signs. They're trying to hit like a glowing orb with their fucking <laughs> blindfold on or something. Wow, 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 wow. At a certain point, <laughs> at a certain point, Trump releases the rancor monster. <laughs> Don't go with that. Boo, boo. And Obama at the last minute takes a protest sign and sticks it in his mouth. And then it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. And then he uses mind tricks to make a porticulus fall in his face. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what a Jedi, a Jedi, why you would even bring Solinsky into the same. I like as a Jedi Knight trainer. Knight, I, don't I don't understand know what that means. These are not the metaphors you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Jedi Knight right now. And what he's doing is he's setting up shop and he's trying to defend his, you know, horrible eight year legacy. Why would you defend your legacy? You know, and the thing is, is like, OK, that's fine. You know, maybe maybe they're mad that he should just be saying, OK. I did a bad job, everybody. Sorry. Whoopsie doodle. That was a whoopsie doodle two-term presidency. I know, right? Whoopsie. Sorry for ruining everything. Although they're just mad that he's not disappearing. Yeah, I think that's, that's I think, really what this I think is that's about, what right? This is about, because right? They're, oh, mad, they're yeah. mad that he isn't crawling into the woodwork or at least saying, you know what? 
Trump's got a point. I was a terrible, terrible black president. <laughs> I was the worst. I was the, you know, he's he the is, worst black president. He is the worst black he president is. we've ever had. We've never had we've a never worse had a, black a, president. A black president that has been as bad as Barack Obama. That's true. Yeah. We, we probably at this rate won't for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to make you conform to them. You're going to say you like anal sex. You like oral sex. You like bestiality. You like anything you can think of that to whatever it is. And sooner or later, you're going to have to conform your religious beliefs to the group of some aberrant thing. It, 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 it won't stop at homosexuality. So this is uh, Pat Robertson, also from Right Wing Watch. People who oppose Trump are revolting against God, says a man so revolting himself. <laughs> His ears are nearly catching up to his cheeks at this point. Like uh, they know, are they are starting to droop. They're melding into one they is really, what's happening. Like his I've never he seen He looks like him. something hastily formed on a clay. <laughs> like it's really just <laughs> hastily formed out of clay. <laughs> All right, so this oh, is God. this is Mr. Robertson. The press is against him so you know, you read the Bible and... No, I don't. <laughs> no, no, we've already lost me. What are we, eight, six seconds in? Well, nope. you know, you read the Bible. No. Nope. Pass, hard pass. <laughs> nope. Uh, there was a point in there where uh, God told Jeremiah, he said, tell them to take the yoke of, of Nebuchadnezzar and they didn't want to do it. Oh, Jesus Christ. The yoke <laughs> of Nebuchadnezzar, isn't that like one black, one blue, and three colorless? <laughs> I'm gonna tap Isn't my, that a ship I'm in gonna, the Matrix? I'm going to tap my soul ring. <laughs> uh, God told Jeremiah, he said, tell them to take the yoke of, of Nebuchadnezzar, and they didn't want to do it. Wait, what did that have to? Wait, I don't understand. No, no, Hold you got to take the oak of Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, and then what? I get the oak or yoke or what is it? Was it? It's oak, I guess. An oak I thought he said yoke. I think he says oak. I feel like that's what yoke. Is Nebuchadnezzar? I'm going to type in. Both. What is a Nebuchadnezzar Oak of Nebuchadnezzar? <laughs> oh, no, there it is. You're right. It's the yoke. The yoke of Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. And you read the Psalms, the second Psalm, which says, you know, why do the nations rage and uh, imagine a vain thing? And they, they revolt against the Lord and his anointed. I, I think somehow. There's a, the Lord's plan is being put in place for America, and these people are not only revolting against Trump, they're revolting against what God's plan is for America. The fuck? Yeah, he's saying the that, fuck. Yeah, he's saying that uh, that God has decided that Trump should be president. Trump is now president, and now if you don't like it, you are attacking God's plan. And certainly, he would have said the same thing if Hillary had won. <laughs> No? Oh, you don't think so, Cecil? Well, I have a no. I think he would have said something very similar. It would have been the exact opposite, though. It would have been like these people wanted God's plan for the country, and and, and they didn't and get they it. Didn't now get we have to take our yoke off, and then we have to just use the whites. And yeah, sometimes you, mm, that's not very good. Well, that's what yeah, he wants to do. They just want to use the whites. Maybe a little shallot that might turn it into. Something but here's the good. thing: because we just use the whites, now we have Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
You know what I think, Trump? I think uncooked egg white. I think, yeah, no, that's that's about accurate. I yeah. think he looks like a sack full of uncooked, uncooked egg, egg whites. whites. He has the fucking body consistency. Like a viscous fluid. He doesn't have bones or organs or anything. He's just this big bag of viscous fluid. He, he is sort of like uncoagulated yeah. you know like he looks like he has he looks like he has like water weight gain issues. <laughs> <laughs> these other people have been trying to destroy america these left-wingers and so-called progressives are trying to destroy the country that we love and take away the freedoms they love they want little collectivism they want socialism the freedoms well, what's of right? what, Wait, what Wait. freedoms are we talking about here are we talking about um Freedom to use what bathroom you want to use? Is that the freedom we're talking about? I don't know. He says take away the freedoms oh, they love. That's a weird freedom that people should just have, right? I don't have any idea what thing I can't do. Freedoms to maybe have control of your own body? Hmm. Is it? Is is this all about is fucking a, gay wedding that, cakes again? Freedom that, that the liberals are going to try to take away? Huh. That's what? weird. Yeah. Seems something like the Republicans just fucking tried to take away. Right. Like woman's going to get an abortion. It's like, you can't do that, yeah, but you're more sorry. free. You're, yeah, more free. you're more free here. Yeah. Enjoy. Oh, you want to use, enjoy. A, you want to use any bathroom you can. Sorry. Sorry. You can't use any bathroom. Because you you're want, more free now, but you're more free now. You're more free. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy here. gestating your rape baby. Here's a <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. When your rape baby comes out, give him this tiny American. <laughs> this will <laughs> make him, this will cheer him up. Yeah. So we want to thank, Oh, of course, we want to thank all our patrons. We, we cannot uh, appreciate our patrons enough for the uh, for their hard-earned dollars. Thank you all so very much. But we want to thank our newest patrons. Barbecue at the Laser Factory. Chris, Jack, Marcus, Michael, Jeannie, Kimberly, and Sierra. Thanks so very much for your generous donations. We really do truly appreciate it. Thank you. Got a message from Cindy. And Cindy says, Jesus right Christ. after we got married in the 80s, my husband went back to school in the Midwest, and I found myself pregnant here in Utah. That's a nightmare. Can you imagine being pregnant in Utah? You gotta give the you gotta give birth to the baby on a salt flat. Jesus oh, Christ! That horrible. Um, Maybe he had, sexually assaulted as soon as it's born. God, he had uh, he had to write a letter and get it notarized, giving me permission for my abortion. That is incredible. Holy shit! That's I, I can't even believe that that's a thing. Who would notarize that letter? Awful. Just awful. What's this country come to? Devin left, I think, a very funny message, uh, which happens to be Donald Trump's D&D full character sheet. God. So I'm going to, for all you gamer geeks out there, check this out. It's going to be in this episode show notes. It's two PDFs. I thought it was hilarious, Devin. Thank you so much for creating it. It made me laugh out loud. Got a, a message uh, from Joseph and a couple other people. Um, this is an Alex Jones mashup with him just screaming and grunting. It's real hard to listen to the whole thing, I, 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 but it's amazing. I, it's amazing. It's really funny. So check it out. It's on this episode show notes. This is episode 345. We got a message from Dlinka about episode 343. Uh, and Dlinka says, can you tell me why you blaped out uh, the N word and the T word when uh, Ishmael was on? And <laughs> I uh, love this. And the reason why I bleep out the N word one, I don't feel comfortable saying that. Sure. Um, I don't mind that Ishmael says it, but when Ishmael came on the show for the very first time, I joked about bleeping him and then he made a big deal out of it. Right. When he made a big deal out of it, I had to bleep him. Cause it's awesome. Like, I just had to, I couldn't not let it go. Right. If it irks, 
Ishmael yeah. pillow hands. It's really just a, it's, it's yeah. me jabbing at him. Right. So I bleeped him. I bleeped him three or four times on the first show. Then we had him on again yep. and he came on and, and, he, and I bleeped him again when he said it a couple times and he told me I shouldn't bleep him. But then later on in the show, he said that thug is the new N-word. And well, the moment after he said it, I was going to bleep it all. Then I decided, no, I'm just going to say until he says it because it wouldn't make right. sense yeah. until he says thug is the new N-word. And then and I just then started, the then I started to switch right. to bleep those as well. I was very, very close to only bleeping it when Tom and I said it oh. because- Cause we're white. Cause we're white. Yeah. And that's what he implied was when a white guy says, so I was, I was very close to doing that, but I didn't know that, that people were going to catch it. I didn't know if that subtlety was going to get through. So I just bleeped it all. (laughs) And I thought it was hilarious. We got some messages when people were very confused that I was bleeping the thug word. And I was like, well, it's just, it's just a joke. It's I, I don't think thug is a bad word. I don't, I, I, I don't I, I, I don't even know that I agree with Ishmael's assumption that it is the The new new N word. Yeah. But it's what he said, and it just so happened that I wanted to bleep it. It's a joke show. It's just a joke. That's all. Uh, this is from E.E. And E.E. Uh, or E sent in E-E. Uh, sent in this. And it's, uh, I just want to read the top. It says, as you joked in your latest episode, thinking gay thoughts when inseminating a woman <laughs> makes a baby gay. Oh, it may actually have some biblical support. <clears throat> it describes how animals fucking while seeing striped stick to give give will give striped offspring. So here it is. It's Genesis 30, 37. Go this ahead, Tom. This is the Tom. dumbest fucking Go thing. Go ahead. Jacob, however, took fresh cut branches from poplar, almond, and plane trees and made white stripes on them by peeling the bark and exposing the white inner wood of the branches. Then he placed the peeled branches in all the watering troughs so they could be directly in front of the flocks when they came to drink. When the flocks were in heat and came to drink, they made it in front of the branches and they bore young that were streaked or speckled or spotted. (laughs) This is people's holy book. This is so amazing. I I just got to ask now, you know, like when uh, when Eli's favorite question is like, are bats birds? Because it says the bats are birds. And this is my new favorite question. This is my new question to ask everybody. Be like, okay, so let's say that there's a horse. (laughs) Okay. You got a horse. This is why we have zebras. This is why we have zebras. And I give them sticks. I put don't sticks. give them the sticks. I put <laughs> sticks all over around them, and then they fuck. Will it make a striped horse? <laughs> and it's so that's, that's the greatest thing ever because that's can you make I, a paisley horse? Because if that's the case. The next cat I get is going to be a tiger cat. I'm just going to be like, no, no. When they're fucking, just put them in the yard by the sticks. You would think you could make any animal, any color, and yeah. like, yeah, you could variation. Just fuck whatever it is, you yeah, put them in like, you could just get custom cats. Like you could start. Think of the money you could make selling like custom the, cats the just fucking, to Thomas alone. Fucking Mona Lisa on the side of it. Oh, so good. All right, so this is uh, this is a message from Jason. We got this again from a bunch of other people. And uh, this is Stephen Colbert just going off on Alex Jones. I'm not going to play it. It's a four-minute clip. But go ahead on our on our website, dissonancepod.com. We'll link this to this week's show notes, episode 345. And it's uh, it's the intro to the Tonight Show. It's when he comes out and does his little jokes. Is that he on the Tonight Show? Is he the Tonight Show guy or is he the Late Show guy? I don't know. Whatever. whatever one He's on is. the CBS one. That's the late show. Okay. So uh, uh, he's going to, he gives his little spiel, but the best part is 
he goes after Alex Jones and he like calls him an idiot. And like, <laughs> he's totally he's, unkind. He's completely, he does not give fucks at all. He's right. just like, nope, it's fucking, I'm just going to wreck this dude. And he does. It's very funny actually. So, uh, so check it out when you get a chance. We want to thank Marsh from be reasonably skeptical guy. for coming on. What a great guy. Incredulous with a K. I mean, just, he is just an excellent, excellent guy. Very funny. Also really knowledgeable, scared the hell out of us with this stuff. So he's very, very knowledgeable. Super depressing. Yeah. So way to do that. Yeah. If you want to find out anything about Marsh, you can check out this episode, show notes, episode 345. We're going to link uh, his various projects that he's involved in on this week's show notes. We want to thank him though for coming on. He's, he is really just a great guest and I, I I love to talk to him. Really cool guy. So that's going to wrap it up for this week. I do want to mention that we did a live show this last Sunday, the 18th. This upcoming Thursday, we're going to be releasing that live show audio only on our feed. So this week on Thursday, you'll get a a show will come up and it will be the live show that we recorded. Uh, That show will be going out. uh, Like we say, it'll just be it'll just be audio. It'll just be the audio that has been ripped from that. Uh, if you want to see the video, the video is on uh, live stream and it's also on YouTube. So you can check out those videos, but we're going to be releasing that entire episode, which is a good long episode. Actually, it's, it's a good hour, hour plus, and a half, hour yeah. plus yeah. hour and a half. I think maybe an hour and 40 minutes almost. I think so. Yeah. Um, and we cover the Trump press conference. So we play clips and then we talk about it. And then we also interacted with uh, people that were online. So if you want to listen to it, it'll be releasing this Thursday. But again, like I say, you can also watch the videos. Those videos exist. Uh, so you can listen to it right now if you wanted to uh, just go into our YouTube page or you can also uh, just go to the live stream page. That's going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, we're going to leave you like we always do with the Skeptics Creed. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter mommy issue hypno Babylon bullshit. Couched in scientician double bubble toil and trouble, pseudo quasi alternative acupunctuating pressurized stereogram pyramidal free energy healing water downward spiral brain dead pan sales pitch late night info docutainment. Leo Pisces, Cancer Cures, Detox, Reflex, Foot Massage, Death and Towers, Tarot Cars, Psychic Healing, Crystal Balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, Aliens, Churches, Mosques and Synagogues, Temples, Dragons, Giant Worms, Atlantis, Dolphins, Truthers, Birthers, Witches, Wizards, Vaccine Nuts, Shaman Healers, Evangelists, Conspiracy, Doublespeak, Stigmata, Nonsense. Expose your signs. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. The opinions and information provided on this podcast are intended for entertainment purposes only. All opinions are solely that of Glory Hole Studios, LLC. Cognitive dissonance makes no representations as to accuracy, completeness, currentness, suitability, or validity of any information and will not be liable for any errors, damages, or butthurt arising from consumption. All information is provided on an as-is basis. No refunds. Produced in association with the local Dairy Council and viewers like you.